This is Womanhood. Welcome to Womanhood, a podcast created to empower and give voice to all women's experiences, which are typically stigmatized and silenced in society. I'm your host, Mimi Healy. Welcome to Womanhood. I'm so excited to be bringing this second episode this week, as we have bi-weekly episodes, and last week was National Infertility Awareness Week. This week is a project of Resolve, which is the National Infertility Association. This week falls on the last full week of April every year and was created to raise awareness about infertility, encourage grassroots advocacy, and help couples cope with infertility. One in eight people experience infertility in their lifetimes, but it is so rarely discussed openly. Infertility is often seen as a female disease, but in fact, almost half of all infertile couples deal with male factor infertility. This week was also created to raise awareness of infertility for all ages and not as an age factored issue, as it is commonly reported in the media. This week on Womanhood, we are talking about PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome or polycystic ovary syndrome. PCOS is the leading cause of infertility in women of childbearing age. This week, I'm speaking with my good friend Amalia, who was diagnosed with PCOS in the past year. We will discuss facts about the disease, facing tough emotions surrounding shame and stigma, telling partners about PCOS, changes in diet, lifestyle, periods, and more. Thank you for listening. recommended having a vaginal ultrasound, which is an ultrasound scan taken by a probe inserted into the vagina, which gives a clear picture of different organs inside the female body. Which, like, you know, projects onto a screen, and yeah. so she was sort of talking to the, the technician. It's like, yeah, that ovary over here is polycystic, and I couldn't really see, like, many cysts on it I think she sort of pointed at it and was like see but it's all like this grainy weird blob yeah and <laughs> um, you have no idea like, what normal is anyway yeah yeah uh, so yeah she was like you 
have PCOS and yeah. PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome is an endocrine disorder. It is actually the most common hormonal disorder among women of childbearing age, which is approximately 14 to 44 years old. Polycystic ovarian syndrome gets its name from the polycystic formation on the ovaries. These are commonly mistaken for cysts, but are actually follicles in the eggs which didn't grow enough to reach ovulation, so they don't shed during a monthly period, and they accumulate in the ovaries which form cyst-like structures. They took some, I don't know if they took some blood work. Actually, it's funny now that I can't really remember the order of events. But basically, she left the room. She came back. Um, I had just gotten blood work done. And she then started explaining to me what PCOS was. And she mentioned that it was like, yeah, the, the reason that I hadn't been getting my period um, and that it causes problems with fertility. And I sort of started to pass out. <laughs> and I don't really know if it's because like I had just had blood work done and I hadn't eaten that day. But she was like, is it, are you, I was like, I'm feeling really dizzy. And she's like, okay, is it the information or, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I just sort of laid back on my bed and I felt better in like 10 minutes. And then she came back and sort of explained more to me about PCOS and yeah, like the different ways to manage it um, and recommended some things about like what to eat and what not to eat. In the U.S., an estimated 5 to 6 million women have PCOS. PCOS is one of the most common hormonal disorders, but often goes undiagnosed. 7 in 10 women who have PCOS are never diagnosed by a doctor. My first like action in addressing not having my period for that long was going just to like a regular doctor when I was in school who told me like it was probably stress, it was probably like increased exercise, changes in eating habits. I remember in college friends being like, oh, you've never had a pap smear? Like, I've had five pap smears. Or like, oh, you never had this? Like, this is what my gynecologist says. Yeah. <laughs> it was like not knowing what is normal um, and feeling like pretty okay with my body because that's all I knew. Like, it was what I was used to. So I would say like generally my experience with women's health has been like mysterious mm -hmm. to put a word to it like very unclear you might be asking yourself how does pcos even work so the actual cause of pcos is unknown still but doctors believe since it is an endocrine disorder that the hormones get out of balance and the sequence is thrown off through the body not having the trigger from the hormone to release egg during ovulation and then during ovulation the egg which was supposed to be released then builds up and builds these cyst-like structures. The two main female sex hormones are estrogen and progesterone. These influence menstruation and pregnancy, menopause, and much more. Women with PCOS have elevated testosterone levels and an excess of a male hormone called androgen. Androgen excess can lead to acne, excess facial hair, and thinning hair on the scalp. In women with PCOS, estrogen and progesterone levels are lower than usual, while androgen levels are higher than usual. 
In PCOS, women have irregular periods caused by the egg not being released by ovulation. Ovulation occurs when a mature egg is released from an ovary. This happens so the egg can be fertilized by a male sperm. If the egg is not fertilized, it is sent out of the body during a period, but in some cases, a woman doesn't make enough of the hormones needed to ovulate. So when ovulation doesn't happen, the ovaries can develop many small cysts or fluid-filled follicles. These cysts make hormones called androgens. So what were some recommendations that your doctor gave you to manage symptoms of PCOS? Yeah, so she initially, like, she recommended that I stay away from foods with a high glycemic index. Um, So that includes, like, any processed foods, grains, um, potatoes, like lots of fruits, anything with like a, that's going to be, you know, transformed into like sugar immediately, basically in my body. Um, and she also mentioned that like, if that didn't help, that some people get put on like metformin or other hormonal supplements. Um, but I, I haven't done that. I've just, yeah, I cut out, I cut out eating grains for like about grains and potatoes for about a month. Um, but it's been really hard to like balance with digestive issues and just like feeling like you have a balanced diet. Staying full has always been an issue. So one thing that I realized like through getting this diagnosis or whatever is that all these other like sort of medical, not quite issues, but just like particularities mm-hmm. about myself seem to have some connection to this. Like oh. I have an issue staying full like sometimes after I eat like 30 minutes later I get really hungry Mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's like (laughs) something off in my brain or if I haven't eaten the right thing or what um but you know your hormones control like how your body processes or um, manages insulin or the hormones that affect the signal that your brain sends to your body or your body sends to your brain signaling that you're full or not so, like, though my hormones was generally being out of whack, probably had an effect on that. Um, also, since I've been a kid, I've had, like, an issue with sugar. My mom was always super strict about sugar because she said that I would just react to it and go crazy, um, mm-hmm. become really hyper and, like, crash and become really, like, emotional, um, which is something I still recognize that I tend to have now, like, when I have a little sugar, I just, like, crave it all the time, um, Mm -hmm. and so there was that, I remember when I was, like, 13, I went to a naturopath who told me that I was at risk of becoming diabetic, um, and that I had an issue with sugar and that I should cut out gluten, Mm -hmm. um, which I did for a while. The other thing with PCOS is it's, like, mostly common in people who are overweight, Um, and I'm not, and so there's less research on, like, what they call lean PCOS in terms of how to manage it, um, because it's less common, Mm -hmm. and because, like, the main thing doctors tell you if you are overweight is to lose 10% of your body weight, I think. And then Um, it'll, like, help with symptoms. Yeah, but obviously, like, I can't do that, um, Mm -hmm. so... 
that's made it a little bit more challenging. Many women with PCOS have decreased sensitivity to insulin, the hormone that regulates glucose, sugar, in the blood. This condition, known as insulin resistance, is a major risk factor for type 2 diabetes. Women with PCOS, as Amalia said, typically have to limit certain things in their diets that can cause glucose buildup in the blood, like carbohydrates. It is believed by doctors that insulin resistance may play a role in causing PCOS rather than the other way around. Elevated insulin levels may be a contributing factor to inflammation and other metabolic complications associated with PCOS. More than 50% of women with PCOS will have diabetes or pre-diabetes before the age of 40, and the risk of heart attack is four to seven times higher for women with PCOS. Women with PCOS are also three times more likely to develop endometrial cancer. It's important to manage PCOS and to reduce the risk of serious health issues later. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's been an interesting process because I'm sort of like doing this excavation of my past and seeing like, oh, this weird thing is probably attached to my hormones, which I had no idea were, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sort of experimenting on like what I can have that still keeps it regular, keeps my period regular. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Um. And like also emotionally, there have definitely been changes. I think just part of like where I was at in my life, but also like the the sort of after I went to my gynecologist the whole fall and like early winter I was experiencing like depressive episodes like I've probably never had in my life um Mm -hmm. and so that has also steadied out and I feel like much more stable that's good that's awesome (laughs) I mean it, it it definitely makes me wonder like yeah how has this affected you emotionally and like in realizing that these things that maybe like you aren't able to control or like in terms of fertility I mean how how has that like changed your outlook on things yeah I, I like it was weird that I reacted the way that I did I mean weird in terms of like knowing myself I guess that I reacted I think you know when I sort of passed out I think part of it was like mental or emotional um and part of it was just, like, my blood sugar. I've never, like, really had to contemplate my fertility, you know, as, like, a young, healthy woman. Um, and so for the first time, I was like, oh, shit, what if I don't, like, what if I'm unable to have kids? And, like, I never considered not being able to have kids. Like, it's kind of something I've taken for granted. Um, and also taken for granted in my relationships. Like, the the person that I was seeing at the time, um, also, I don't, it felt like I had to, like, say that, it felt like I had to be Mm -hmm. like, hey, I might have trouble having kids one day, which is, like, such a bizarre reaction, I mean, I never considered having kids with this person, but, yeah, it sort of felt like something I had to, like, confess, and definitely afterwards, like coming out of the appointment, I think I called my sister and I was like, I might have an issue having kids. Like it was really upsetting. Um, even, you know, with all the research that says most people are able to conceive, like even if they need help with hormones. Um, yeah, it just, I guess not to be like, I wouldn't say it was so dramatic that I felt like less of 
a woman or something, but it felt like I, like, I didn't have this thing that everyone expects me to have just by my biology. Yeah. And, like, uh, yeah, if they're interested in, like, a long-term relationship with me, that they should know that or something. Um, and so I'd say that was one emotional effect. Yeah. Um, Women with PCOS have trouble conceiving because they may not ovulate every month. Nevertheless, some women with PCOS may conceive on their own. A common way for women to increase their chances of getting pregnant is for overweight women with PCOS to lose even a small amount of weight, or 5-10% to 10% of their overall body weight, which can help them begin ovulating on their own. There are also medications, there are ways to track ovulation, and lifestyle and diet changes can play a huge role in increasing chances of ovulation. Yeah, I think it's so under-acknowledged how much hormones, like, play into your personality, or, like, what we think of as personality. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, when I was feeling really hormonal, um... It definitely made me feel like I wasn't myself. And that, in addition to my hormones sort of being out of whack, um, just made me, like, so when I when I started trying to regulate things with eating, I think there has been a period of, like, my body's really confused and trying to adjust, and so I've actually gained a lot of weight. Mm. Um And that's something that obviously has, like, an emotional effect Mm -hmm. um, because it just, it feels like at times I'm just, like, out of control. Like, I don't know how to manage my hormones, and so I don't know how to manage my emotions, and that means I don't know how to manage my weight, and, like, Mm -hmm. like, ah, (laughs) like, everything's on its own course, and I can't control it. And, like, as a person who's usually pretty, like, stable, and I like to control my routine, and, like... I feel like I am good at that that yeah has felt like a little bit like I don't know myself I'm having to like re learn like who this body is what it likes what it needs um and yeah I sort of back to the personality thing like you know I'm I think people think of me as, like, a really stable person, like, not someone who easily gets depressed or anxious, um, and so for a while, like, I, I was, and I could see that in, like, I don't know, with my roommates or, like, with my sister who I live with, like, they would see me differently, and it, I was afraid that they weren't sort of liking this person who would, like, come home and just be really low, Mm -hmm. like, not want to talk. Um, and yeah, the first, I mean, I've had sort of reflected on this before, like my sister also has had issues with her hormones and, um, I guess from what I understand has like elevated testosterone levels. Um, and she, she is like a very strong, assertive, outspoken person for the most part, like very confident, confident talking to strangers, um. I mean, sort of in, like, the way that she presents herself externally. Mm -hmm. Um, And when she was put on birth control, like, that part of her personality really quieted, and she just could not handle it because she's like, this is who I am. Like, I am, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm confident. Like, 
I mean, not that these are necessarily masculine traits, but, um, yeah, there's definitely a weird relationship between, like, personality and hormones and emotions that I think we just think are stable, but really they could, like, switch at any moment. It's crazy that we think, oh, I'm acting this way, like, this isn't normal. Like, we're half of the population. (laughs) Like, of course, like, you know, we just I think I subconsciously like take male as the baseline like what is Mm -hmm. it like to be a man and not experience these things but I mean even though they do have their own um, hormonal things going on hormones play a huge role in behavior and personality hormones even the same hormone can serve a wide variety of functions from slowing growth to stimulating it and from activating the immune system to inhibiting it when hormone levels are thrown off balance The effects can be wanted and unwanted. We really don't discuss the role of hormones and how they affect our personality and behavior often enough in society. These are things that are in every single person's body, affecting pretty much every type of behavior that we convey from appetite to attraction to aggression and more. But we don't talk about it enough. And Amalia raises a really great point. You may be acting a certain way because you're about to go on your period or you just had a fight or you're a new parent, but that's normal and that's a hormone change and we can't always blame ourselves and our minds for things that our hormones are taking over. Have you ever felt ashamed to talk about PCOS and how have you explored that feeling as you've gone about being newly diagnosed? Definitely in people, like the person that I'm dating right now, I think I mentioned it, um, not in the context of like, I might have issues with fertility in the future, but like I have a, um, you know, issue regulating my hormones. And so this is why I can't eat X, Y, Z. Like that's a Mm. big, I mean, food for me and my family is super important. And it's like a, you know, a vehicle for like, showing love and like experiencing intimate moments together and it's really important to me and so that has been challenging like how do I say you know like I can't eat this thing I it it just feels Mm. like it goes against my like the way I was raised in my family um to like I don't know it in a weird traditional way like eating the food that people offer you is a way of, like, being a good guest, and there are all these, like, Italian-American ideas of hospitality, um, so in terms of what I can eat, I think that has been, like, a point of shame a little bit that I've had to contend with, um, Mm -hmm. and, yeah, I, I mean, I would say, like, actually, despite, like, going through these extreme ups and downs in the past few months, it's been a really positive experience because I, for my whole life, I've felt like very, I felt very stable and at times almost kind of numb. Like I'm not easily affected by things um, mm-hmm. that happen in my life or other people's lives. And I've sort of been grateful for that. But when it comes to like my own experiences, I can be sometimes quick to like emotionally cut off and separate myself from things as like a coping mechanism and this has forced me to like not really be able to do that like I feel like I've felt like a range of emotion 
in the past few months that I haven't had in my whole life. And although it's been, like, scary and horrible in the moment, like, just letting myself ease up on the brakes and, like, be unable to have control has, like, opened my mind to the fact that it's okay to, like, feel crazy and, um, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. okay to, like, feel really negative things, um, and that the people around you aren't gonna, like, react horribly to it, uh, if they love you and care about you and so it's really brought like a lot of I think clarity and like reflection into my own life and my relationships um because I have this like physical thing to sort of attach to it um it's like Mm. okay I I know that I'm not in control of this so I I've like totally yeah let myself be sort of taken over um yeah that's been really positive like emotional development I think in the language about like medicine and just our culture in general oftentimes when there's a problem we think like we can control it and fix it it's like the way that dieting is like projected to us is like you reach a goal and then you're there when really it's like it's constant management like you just keep an eye on it and it's going to fluctuate sometimes it'll be better or worse or and it's just like a process and you have to like keep an eye on the process and not force it yeah. It's mysterious. Yeah. Especially definitely. when it's like, okay, this is in my body, like, but do I, I'm not feeling it in the place that it is. Like, this name, PCOS, materializes it. Like, it makes it real just by naming it. Exactly. Otherwise, like, yeah, I have, I have feelings. <laughs> like, exactly. they change. It's like a very human experience. Yeah. Uh, I mean, getting a period regularly, like, I don't even, I don't know what percent of the female population, like, gets that. Okay, I looked this up, and half of the world's population is female, meaning that approximately 26% of the world is menstruating. Menstruation is stigmatized all over the world, which leads to other health issues such as PCOS being stigmatized throughout society. On average, a woman menstruates for about seven years during their entire lifetime. Just some fun facts. Um, well, thank you. I feel like that's a good stopping point. I don't want to take up your whole day. Um, (laughs) thank you so much to Amalia for sharing. Thank you to everyone for listening. See you in two weeks. podcast was produced and edited by me healy with editing by drew mayberry and original sound design by matthew peary